Greetings, friend. Do you wish to look as happy as me? Well, you've got the power inside you right now. So use it and send one dollar to Happy Dude, 742 Evergreen Terrace, Springfield. Don't delay. Eternal happiness is just a dollar away. Let's go. And coming at you from the basement of the basement of WCPTA 20 in Chicago, this is the Sports Cubicle, where the inmates run the asylum, and our boss, well, he actually might not yell at us tomorrow morning, but we're still working overtime, and, uh, oh no, I think the Paul H's one fell through the pit again. Uh, I may have to go try and save him yet again. Watch your friggin' step, Paul, there's a sign for that reason. Happy Selection Sunday, everybody. Crazy how it always falls on a Sunday. My ex-girlfriend called this a national holiday, and, you know, that usually results in me getting some happy time. Not getting any happy time anymore, and I sure as hell missed that. That's not going to stop us from having a great show today, because, you know, the Bears finally did it. Finally traded the number one draft pick. And me and Mercado got trigger happy and recorded some stuff before they did it, because the Bears hate us, and this is what they do to us. Oy. And, of course, we got some talk about Lonzo Ball and the Chicago Bulls. And, of course, Mike Mercado's exclusive interview with the one and only Chuck Swarski. So, Mercado, take it away. Chuck, let me ask you. I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and kiss up a little bit because it's something that we've talked with from Len Casper, Jonathan Hood, you know, all the amazing people we've seen in Chicago who have called games like Zach Sademan. We've had the pleasure to talk to them. And somebody like you who's – seen a few generations of broadcasters and athletes come through Chicago, whether it's been on the court or off the court, how important has it been for you? And, you know, coming out with this book, always a pleasure to how important is it to you to know how beloved and how admired you are from the community, from people who ball to the people who watch the ball. Wow. Well, thank you. I don't think about that much just because I'm in the moment. And for example, when the Bulls played the Pacers, I was in the moment. Right now I'm in the moment talking with you and your staff. So, I mean, listen, when it's all said and done, um, my, my whole element of my foundation of my heart, my life is to give back. And that is something that I attribute to uh, my parents when I was a little boy, uh, my mom, really encouraged us to volunteer at all levels, no matter what age. And so I think because of that, I learned the importance of understanding that we're really all in this together. I mean, I have walked in your shoes. One day you're going to walk in my shoes. And one day in the near future, you're going to extend a hand to someone who says, hey, you know what? How do I get involved in sports broadcasting? And really it's a circle of life. And that's how I approach it. I mean, I love my job. I'm very passionate. I love the Bulls. I love the NBA. I admire the players. I know how hard it is to win just one single NBA game. And the greatest admiration I have for coaching and for playing and for the front office, it's so competitive. But at the end of the day, you know, there's only one champion. And then you go right back at it in the off season to prepare for the following year. And the same thing as a broadcaster, as soon as the Bulls play their last game, and by the way, I'm, I'm counting on the last game one day to end in late June, great for all of us with a win. 
Um, but, you know, I, I love it so much, but I love people very, very much. And, you know, it's funny because you you bring up the ultimate sentiment that one day we will be hearing Chuck call a game late since in June and it'll be glorious, just like so many heard Neil Funk and so many greats before them. And I can't wait till you have your shining moment that you've had so many in your career. And I think we all speak here. The the WrestleMania moment, the Super Bowl moment. Heck, the NBA Finals moment, it's on its way for Chuck Swirsky. And I can't wait for it to be on a CD for me. Just like so many of your memories are in a book. As always, a pleasure is out for the the millions and millions of the Chuck Swirsky nights to get a chance to listen to one of the best do it. And, you know, we could talk about on the court all we want. And, you know, you do so many great hits and, you know, you do stuff around the, the Chicago media, both stuff that people hear and don't hear just to kind of connect with people. And I wonder how important it is for you not just to see people succeed on the court, but how much pleasure have you gotten to see some of these young men and some of these women who are on these staffs and heck in, in women's college sports and in, in women's high school basketball locally to see them succeed off the court. Cause we know how much, how passionate you are, you know, putting people in the hall of fame, showing us onions and you know, we, we know all the, the awesome moments you've seen on the court, but how much pleasure do you get to see these, these young people succeed even off the court. To watch young people succeed and to try. And even though they may get knocked down nine times, they get back up to 10. And I mean, it's just like a ball player. You're not going to make every game winning shot, but you know what? The ball's in your hands. You try. If you make it fantastic, enjoy the moment. It's, it's glory, like no glory. And yet if you miss, you walk off that floor and you feel you've let yourself down, your team down, but then you have to have a short memory because there's a game in 24, 48, 72 hours. Well, the same thing can be applied to young people who are just looking for that break, and they send the, the link out and resume and audio and video clips, hoping that just one company, one station, one web outlet believes in them. And you get no and no and no, and you get beat up mentally, and you wake up and you wonder, is it worth it? Well, it is worth it, because this is going to build through adversity, strength and courage and perseverance. And so when young people do extremely well, and you've got a skill set, and you bring the enthusiasm, and I see that in front of me, okay, every day from young people that I remember when I was mentoring them, either in college or just coming out of school, and you see young people getting it done, especially whether they're you know, African-American, whether they're Asian, whether they're women, whether they're young adults, and they just decided to make that switch in life from being an insurance salesman to a broadcaster, I think it's great. And I think the fact that now we're having more women more minorities involved and the exclusion of people, it's great. So, you know what? Uh, I always put others ahead of myself. I want people to succeed. And as I said earlier, we're all in this together. It's something that anybody who's followed you both either in your career or if you're lucky enough to, you know, wake up in the morning to see your social media postings. And we know that this isn't something that, 
you just say nonchalantly. You do believe in the positivity. And, you know, I wonder how is for somebody like you, let's say as as of this recording, the Bulls on the court, bunch of good guys. We, we've talked about it. We could be critical at times, but we always make sure to respect the players on the court and knowing the hard work that they put in and the time and the effort. But when you have, let's say, stressful moments like we've seen at the United Center or on the road and you try to stay positive, how important is it to make sure you bring it, you bring that positivity, you you also keep a critical mind when you are on the air, when you do bring in people from their living rooms or their cars into the United Center or to the away building, when you're with Bill, when you're talking to the staff over at 670, how important is it to, to kind of keep that vibe even though things can be tough both on and off the court? Number one, you always have to have the integrity of the broadcast. So, for example, let, let's talk about when the Bulls are going through a tough stretch. Number one, the game is 48 minutes. And these players are so elite that, as we've seen now, almost on a nightly basis, you can pick any night, let's say a five, six NBA games, and I will call out anyone who disagrees with me. You can go to any one night in the NBA and find at least one game where a team had a 50, 20, 20-plus point lead and lost the game. So what does that tell you? It tells you, number one, because we always say, oh, that team blew a 20-point lead instead of, hey, you know what? That team never gave up. And this team that came from behind showed character and resiliency. And they did it because things clicked. They found the right combination on the floor. Maybe the coach went with three reserves, and those reserves just you know, morphed into playing scoops for like an eight to 10 minute stretch where they got it done. So the way I look at it is I never discredit the opposition. I know never, ever bury a player personally. And so I marvel at their talent, but you have to have the integrity of the broadcast. So if the Bulls are playing poorly, you state it and you let it go. It never becomes personal, ever. If a player is having an O for a nine night, you just say, hey, you know what? This player has, has missed nine straight shots. You know, he hasn't made a field goal. He's two for two from the foul line, having a tough night at the office. Because, listen, I don't care if it's Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Oscar Robertson, you can go right down the list. Everybody has experienced one of those nights. The great ones, fewer than most, but nonetheless, they've experienced those. So uh, when I'm on the air, that's, that's my mindset. But as far as the passion of the game and the love of the game, that has never ceased. I, and I really believe this, and I mean this sincerely. I still get pumped up. For a game, whether the Bulls are 10 over 500, 10 under 500, as I would call an Eastern Conference Finals game back in the day with Derek against LeBron when the Bulls played the Heat. That's, that's my mojo because I, I love the game so much and I love communicating that passion for Bulls ball in the NBA to our listeners. So, Chuck, when I tell you it's been a pleasure, it's an understatement. When I tell you the honor between Marver, Devin, Paul, and myself, it's it's an understatement of how 
how much it means to us that you join us on the show. And just to give you everybody an idea who's listening to us here on the Sports Cubicle, always a pleasure. You know, we, we've seen this, the stories come out from, from Chuck, and this is a, a, and a wonderful a culmination of all the things that, that Chuck has done. And growing up, listening to you, I have always thought that I'm like, man, this is kind of cool that the guy, this guy from Toronto, from Canada, who has no connection to Chicago is so like, who loves the Bulls. Like he's really good at his job. He's really showing emotion. Little did I know, thanks to this, how impact, how infused you are in Chicago media, something that I am a dork of and my admiration and just the, the coolness factor of already one of the coolest dudes to call the game. One of the nicest guy who never stops dancing was actually a fixture on Chicago radio and the landscape. Always a pleasure. Just can you tell us the audience that are learning new things about you? You know, every day there's a new, a new fan, a new listener, this book. I mean, this story, how, how did it kind of come together and where can everybody kind of get a chance to, to read it? So here's the story. Um, you can go online, Chuck Swirsky, the book.com. Very simple. Chuck Swirsky. That's S W I R S K Y. Chuck Swirsky, the book.com. And so uh, I've, I've been approached a few times over the last few years about a book. And it really hasn't been the right time. And then this past summer, I said, you know what? I'm going to write the book. So this was every word is mine. I didn't have a ghostwriter. And so, in my words, I kind of got into my life story, my history with my family, uh, how I became involved in sports, especially like non-sports because I was not very athletic at all. I was born and got cut from every team I tried out in a CYO, a Catholic youth organization where my mom would put $10 down and I was on the basketball team and then he would put me in the game with one second to go. Story about my career. I've been very, very blessed to uh, be an NBA broadcaster for 25 years. I started with the Raptors, um, was able to call Kobe Bryant's 81 point game with the Lakers and Raptors. And, you know, was around for the Super Bowl 20 with the uh, Super Bowl shuffle in that group with the Bears in 1985. I mean, I've, I've, seen a lot. I've done a lot. I happen to be at the right place at the right time. But I love what I'm doing right now. And Lord willing, if my health, you know, continues to be what it is, which is terrific. Uh, but I, I want to keep doing this as long as the Bulls will have me. I cannot wait to see what the future holds, because I know for a fact that at one moment in time, Chuck Swirsky will call an NBA finalist with the Chicago Bulls in it. And God willing, with all the help in the world, they will win one as well with a healthy Chuck Swirsky. And please let Billy be around too, because though you two have the greatest chemistry in the world. And let me just tell you this. You talk about your impact in Chicago media as a going to be 33-year-old Latino man. You have made an impact in my from my life from Pat Hughes and Chuck Swirsky and Jeff Joniak. That it, these are the voices of my generation. And it has been the, the voice track. Uh, many times going to practice, coming home for practice, pasta parties, watching the games, and now to be able to have this conversation with you on our show and to see not only, again, are you giving people stories, a g- awesome storyteller, but you're doing it for a great reason. You're doing it for charity, and it just goes to show the type of person Chuck Squirsey is. Chuck, thank you so much for taking time for us. We appreciate you. And Spanish Radio right now is uh, involved in so many outlets in professional and college athletics 
and and I'm I'm glad that we have Hispanic radio, and we have Spanish-speaking broadcasters who are young, who are vibrant, who want to get involved in our business because our business needs this. And I am so thrilled that now we have come to a point in our communication society, in our sports society, where we have recognized the Latino community. And so I'm glad that uh, you mentioned this, and I applaud you and just keep grinding, my man. It was his hat, Mr. Krabs. He was number one. April 27th can't get here soon enough, not just because it's my 33rd birthday, but because the Bears will be the headliner at the NFL draft, and the news just keeps coming in, especially since everybody was down in Indianapolis at the Combine, and we are going to talk about some very interesting stuff that the general manager of the Chicago Bears said to Peter King. Ryan Poles had some cheese mate to give, and we'll get to that in just a second here on the Sports Cubicle. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver. It's Devin Tingle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. And that is right. Ryan Poles had a conversation with Peter King over at Football Morning America. And it was an interesting conversation that hit a lot of different topics. You can see the uh, entire article over at the website at F. MIA Combine Week, Ryan Poles on healing the Bears and his plan for the first overall pick. And just some things I wanted to hit on, Dev, to kind of break down where the Bears are about a month away, a little bit more than a month away from seeing what they do with the number one overall pick. So this is from Peter King talking with Ryan Poles. The last time the Bears won the Super Bowl, the only time they won the Super Bowl, Poles was four months old. Neither Devin and I were born yet when the Bears won the Super Bowl. The last time the Bears won a playoff game in the 2010 season, Poles was a second-year scout in Kansas City, just trying to make his way in the business. Now he owns the joint, and he's well aware of what's at stake. Quote, I believe in the building of something to sustain success for a long period of time, Poles said. To me, that's got to be through the draft. This is just a chance to load up this team with a bunch of opportunity and flexibility to do that. It's time for this organization. The practice facility, the offices were just built. The new president, Kevin Warren, comes in, and we think in the same innovative way, I think. We're in a position to have a new stadium. Now, with this opportunity with the first pick, it feels like an opportunity to kind of heal some of the things that happened before and become a really good team. Everything feels right. And that is Ryan Post telling Peter King kind of the the way that they're going to build the culture, the office, the locker room, when it comes to both on and off the field, both mentally and physically. And we'll get to kind of what that what we took from that in a second. But this I, I found really interesting when it came to what we're going to see come draft day, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Post spoke softly but urgently in 50 minutes. He was supportive of quarterback Justin Fields, saying, we've got to see it through in giving Fields a chance to be the team's long-term starter. It's clear he's not trading Fields, and he's not picking a quarterback high in this draft. He left little doubt the Bears will trade the first overall pick and said he's spoken to three teams at the Combine about a deal. He wouldn't identify them. He said he had enough conversations about a deal to know in swapping first-round picks this year he can get a 2024-1 and a 2025-1 in a major package for a trade. However far down he goes in the draft this year, Poles wants to be sure he gets a blue player, his term for a premier first-rounder. And there may be only six or eight of those when the Bears end up setting their 
board. Check out the entire article with Peter King on Ryan Poles on healing the Bears and his plan for the first overall pick. So, Devin, first things first, you hear about how they're building a culture, how they have the new facilities, they have the new offices, and we know what's happening in Arlington Heights. Kevin Warren comes in from the Big Ten. Some movers, some shakers, some new faces, some energy finally at Hallisall. First, let's talk about that. Your thoughts when you hear Ryan Poles talking about sustained success through the draft and building the organization. Well, I want to start with a little uh, little fact there, Mercado. Uh, March 9th, that was the sixth year anniversary of the Bears signing Mike Glennon wow. to that huge deal. And I really feel that season was the downfall of the Bears, despite a playoff win coming out of it. Sure. But we're kind of at that point where it's like Bears have a whole, we just seen it. it's been really torn apart here. I mean, ESPN did the Bears dirty. I believe it was last year's draft, or two years ago, the NFL draft's like, it's like a, a quarterback can make a team and shows Patrick Mahomes, or it can ruin a oh, team's yeah. franchise and showed Mitch Trubisky. And I'm like, ooh, that hit hard here. And we definitely kind of saw that here in Chicago, you know, just team was hurting. The fans were hurting. The organization was hurting. It really was not a good sign here. And here we are. We got Ryan Poles. He just, he's what, his second year as a yeah, general manager? Yeah, now his now? second year. And Kevin Warren's first year going into this season as the yes. president. Yeah. We're definitely making some changes here and getting some big names. This guy's at work here. And we have the the number one draft pick, as you say all the time. The Bears are in full control of this draft. And that's definitely where we need to be right now. And it's really interesting to see how are they going to heal this, though, because he says he wants, you know, multiple first round draft picks, multiple premier players here. But with what the Bears need, I don't think they need the overall number one overall draft pick there. But And it goes to who's getting it. I mean, Ryan Poles has admitted he's talked about four teams now. Yeah, but there's been a couple teams he's who. talked about actually swapping picks. So I, I And I want to run with your – I'm going to get your thoughts on that in a second so we can kind of uh, finish off the front office. I think what's interesting is you see people who understand the sleeping giant that is the Chicago Bears. They understand the, the marketability and the financial and the winning – that comes with benefits that come with a team like Chicago being a stable organization, able to win consistently, able to be competitive consistently is something I think the front office takes seriously, both financially when it comes to a business and when it comes to a sport. And you hear that with Ryan Poles and guys like Kevin Warren and the amazing staff that they have, you know, underneath them is really interesting. So to see that doesn't surprise me, but going into your thoughts of them, how do you replenish the best cure is winning? And in order to do that, you you mentioned Ryan Poles wants a couple ones, wants to do this. You believe in Justin Fields. I think what's what's fascinating is we know for a fact they're not drafting a quarterback. If you had to guess right now, are the Bears in a position where they actually have spoken to teams and they have had offers made to them already? Absolutely, especially with the draft coming up in what about a little over a month and a half now. Yeah, just a, just a little bit over a month and a half. Yeah, they definitely need to start making that now. But, you know, again, they could go till you know, 11.59 the day before. They could go up until a second before That's the commissioner right, actually. comes up. You know? We've so, seen yeah. that before here. Yeah. But I, I've said it before and again. It's the whole right now. We're seeing this especially this week. You know, it's like Lamar Jackson franchise tag. Juan Barkley franchise tag. Derek Carr goes to the uh, Saints. Mm-hmm. Once Aaron Rodgers is... You know, Decides settled on a team to the Jets, or if he stays in Green Bay. That's yeah. I think when we will see that trade, you know, finally be uh, made official here. Because right now, it's what teams are they looking for that veteran because they want to win for the next two years? Or are they looking for that quarterback that can build their team here? And we don't know who that's going to be yet because right now, I think the Jets are the prime you know suspect for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, or the guys like the Panthers could really do well with a first round quarterback, you know, coming in through the draft here. But it's pretty clear right now the Bears are just looking for draft picks here. They're not going to get any of those veteran players from the way it sounds like here. 
Paul. I'm sorry you get to keep Devontae Adams. I'm sorry you lost Derek Carr and your Raiders. Don't worry, though. We'll make it good here. But yeah, I think a team like the Colts could probably trade up just to get that you know number one spot here. I mean, I think Washington did that um, 2012 to get good old RG3 before that crash and burn in the middle there. But yeah, my big picks, I'm thinking the Colts or the Panthers right now are going to be the two big teams most likely trading up for that number one draft pick. Texans already got number two. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't think the Houston Texans are going to trade up that one spot, but I could be wrong. To be honest with you, and I think it's interesting you bring up teams like the Colts and a team like Houston who might or might not decide to work with the Bears. I think the whole idea, the, the whole concept of Ryan Poles already talking about this is the idea of leverage is to get teams like Houston and Indianapolis to get scared if they love C.J. Stroud, if they love Anthony Richardson, if they love Will Levis, if they love a Bryce Young, to move up there and go get their guy. And I think it's important, and I think it's to keep everything on the table. I don't think Ryan Poles said this because he's ready to make a move. I think they're going to make a move April 27th. I don't see the benefits of them making a move even before free agency. You know, we know free agency comes before the draft now. I don't see the benefit of him putting himself in a position where a desperate team makes a desperate move. Here's the real question that I'm kind of struggling with. It's how low are the Bears willing to go? Are they willing to go as low as four? Are they willing to go as low as six? Are they willing to go as low as eight? Are they willing to go as past the 10th? Because it all depends on the value of a guy that they're willing to get. Like, there's so many stud defensive linemen. We saw one of the cats, I can't think of his name on the spot, running like a four-something from Pittsburgh. He's a monster. And then, obviously, what happened with Jalen Carter, and we've seen Will Anderson be on the top of the draft board. There are so many different names. How far are the Bears willing to go? Because they know Arizona doesn't need a quarterback. They're probably going to go get whoever the best available defensive player, first available defensive player. And because of the Jalen Carter situation, that probably puts Will Anderson there. So are you willing to risk it and trade with Indianapolis, hoping that Arizona trades with Carolina and Carolina jumps up there and now you're still in this is where do you think that lands? If you had hearing my conspiracy thoughts or just my my wild imagination going crazy come that Thursday, a lot of this is still in play. Yeah, and I like to specialize to everyone, especially all you Chicago Bears fans out there. A bad team doesn't necessarily have a bad quarterback. Okay. I didn't need to scream that. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's true. So what do you I mean, you think a team like if you're Arizona, are you all in on Kyler Murray? Do you make a run at Lamar, for example? I mean, where where are you when it comes to the Bears? Like if we were doing a redraft, are we hundred percent confident that that Arizona is going to stick with Carol uh, with Kyler, absolutely. Okay, and we're 100 percent sure. Like obviously here, where Justin Fields is the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, absolutely. Because you know a guy like Kyler Murray had a really good season last year, despite injury being a big factor there. And you were seeing this with Justin Fields here, and my God, he stayed healthy. Knock on wood, and let's hope he stays that way here. And that's just where it is right now. But you know, you do bring up a good point that there are, and, you know, there are other teams that are going to be in that high draft spot that aren't going to be looking for that big quarterback or even that big offensive player. So, I mean, just really fast before we kind of wrap things up, we have a fun interview with the one and only Chuck Swirsky on this edition of the Sports Cubicle with the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Single, Paul Shavari, and myself, Mike Mercado, as we are taking a look at a fun article done by Peter King as he talked with Bears general manager Ryan Pulse on healing the Bears and his plan for the first overall pick. So we look at it, the Chicago Bears have Justin Fields. The Texans need a quarterback. Arizona, if we all agree they're in on Kyler, then they don't need one. It just depends on your thinking of him and everything with that new contract he got and not being able to play video games. But that's something deeper for the NFL, an NFL conversation we have with one of our friends. The Colts, they got to draft the quarterback. 
The Seahawks signed Geno. So at five, they got this from Denver. Do they draft a quarterback, or now are they going to go all in and try to help a playoff team again? What do you think? You gave him a $105 million contract over the course of three years. If you draft a quarterback in the first round... Malpractice. Yeah, what the heck was the point in that? Yeah. that? Again, how much did they give Matt Flynn before drafting? Well, Russell Wilson was the third or fourth round. In the, so but still, the idea of like they spent a lot of money, but they went the right way. They did go the right way. So we'll see how that plays out. Detroit, they're going to stick with Jared Goff, probably. Absolutely. So they're going to just do something that helps their team try to get through the hump into the playoffs. Raiders, probably. I mean, at seven? they did just you know lose Derek Carr. Derek Carr is out. Where's Paul? We need him. Yeah. Atlanta at eight. They just cut Mariota, so it's very plausible. Carolina at nine? They they definitely need a quarterback. Philly doesn't at ten. No. Tennessee at eleven? With Tannehill? Probably. I mean, he's definitely if up there in the age. Of, if you're getting rid of Derrick Henry. If you're looking to rebuild that team. So then we'll stop and just so to, for the top fifteen, the Texans at twelve, the Jets at thirteen, the Patriots at fourteen, and the Packers at fifteen. We do have the Commanders at sixteen. I think Jameis Winston has a chance of going there. But from that point on, the Bears aren't dropping past, I think, 11. I think 11 is the furthest a team is willing to... I'm sure there's teams down in the 20s that want to move up, but like Tennessee might need a quarterback. Are the Bears willing to draft at 11, yes or no? Uh, knowing the Bears, yes. As a smart move, I don't think I would do it personally unless you're getting a huge haul in return. Unless you expect the Texans... I'm sorry, the uh, Titans to uh, be complete dog doo-doo these next few years for those next two-year really good high first-round draft picks. I'll go as low as eight or nine if they're willing to give me a one for next year because I still don't think either Carolina or Lance are good enough. Absolutely. So if either one of those teams wants to give you a one, their one this year and their one next year, I don't see any harm of going as low as eight or nine, especially if now that Jalen Carter's done and you could find a stud receiver or a stud, uh, a stud rusher at that point. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But I agree with you. I think eleven is pushing it. I think eleven is pushing it. But more importantly, we want to know your thoughts. How low are the Bears willing to go to trade that number one pick? Are they willing to go as low as a top five, top ten, top fifteen? Are they going to go full-on crazy and hit down? Let us know. We're on Twitter at SportsCubicleTV. For the marvelous one, Dan Marver. For Devin Tingo, Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Beep, 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 beep. Sports Cubicle update, update, update. Yeah, so if you didn't listen to the beginning of the show, uh, me and Mercado got very, very trigger-happy, and we recorded this segment on Wednesday. At the end of this segment, there will be an update from Mike Mercado after the Bears traded the normal draft pick. So this was recorded on Wednesday before the Bears made that trade. We will all remember where we were at when the Chicago Bears, when Ryan Poles made a huge deal to trade the number one pick to the Carolina Panthers. I'm your host, Mike Mercado. You can check us out every single Sunday night on WCPT 820 AM with the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Tingle, Paul Shavari, and myself. So... There's a lot to get into. It's very exciting. It's a very exciting time in sports when it comes to the NFL. A lot of movement, and it is something that we have been waiting for. There have been a lot of talks about, and now we have gotten to this moment. So why don't we go ahead and get into the big moment? This was broken by Adam Schefter a few hours ago. The Chicago Bears are trading the number one pick in this year's NFL draft to the Carolina Panthers for DJ Moore, pick number nine, pick number 61, a 2024 first round pick, and a 2025 second round pick. 
per Adam Schefter. Carolina moves up to number one. They're going to get their quarterback. Is it going to be Bryce Young? Devin and I had a conversation about how far down in the draft was Ryan Poles willing to go? Was it going to be as low as four, as low as seven? We find out it's as low as nine. That doesn't mean they're going to stay there. But now all this conversation with Peter King and Barstool about having all these offers, it was true. And it looks to me like the Bears made up their mind on what they valued going into this draft. I don't think they valued having the number one pick and picking a top-tier edge rusher of defensive tackle. I think they were okay going down in the draft and getting the second or third best defensive player on the board, the best offensive lineman on the board. And I think for them, a lot of that came to fruition when a Jalen Carter was kind of taken off the board. I think Ryan Poles understood that this was as high of a ceiling, as much of a haul as he was going to get. I don't know if there was the same urgency for a lot of these different teams. I think they were going to try to play the first time GM in this position. And I think he called all their bluffs. Because if you're Indianapolis right now, you have to be a little bit worried. If you're Houston, you have to be a little bit worried. Carolina got the job done. Now, for the Chicago Bears, you have put yourself in a position at the ninth overall pick to either stay there, get up the best available uh, left tackle or uh, offensive tackle that you want, get yourself a cornerback, get yourself the third best uh, edge rush or defensive tackle. You're in a great position there. But you also instantly, with a 25-year-old wide receiver who has a wonderful contract compared to a lot of these other great wide receivers, this is a top 15 guy. This is somebody that if you play fantasy football or if you're making a, a couple buck allowance bets, that this is a player, this is a gamer, and DJ Moore who has not had competent quarterback play. And now he's theoretically getting that on Justin Fields. And I actually have some notes. This is from Paul Shavari. It's a wise move. They fulfilled a need at wide receiver position and gained three extra picks that should yield talent, assuming their scouts are good. And this comes from Devin. Smart move filling what the team needs at wide receiver one, who isn't Darnell Mooney. Bears have him for two more years with an option on the third year. He has good numbers with history of mad quarterbacks and is younger than some I like Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. Plus, the Bears will still get to be in the top 10 with the potential to have another high pick next year if Carolina continues to have another bad season. This is a good move from Poles. Now just need to see what he does in this year's draft with the picks the Bears still have. It just seems like one of these moments that it truly could be franchise-altering. It truly can be for the next five to seven years. Something that completely changes the fortune of Bears fans and this organization. The Chicago Bears trade the number one pick. Adam Schefter breaking it. The Chicago Bears are trading the number one pick in this year's NFL draft to the Carolina Panthers for DJ Moore, the ninth pick, the number 61 pick, a 2024 first round pick, and a 2025 second round pick. I know a lot of people are also saying they wanted that 2025 to be a first round and not a second round. But I think because you get DJ Moore, you kind of just have to make that compromise. And if that's what you had to do, if that's the pill you had to swallow, I think it was worth it. Favorite sport. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm 
the microphone So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone I like slam dunks, takes me to the home My favorite play is the alley Ooh, I like the With control. the like Bulls, the with the organization, with the team on the west side And it was a nice victory over the Denver Nuggets And it has been a tough, tough go for the Chicago Bulls Who are six games under 500 as of this recording But as of this recording, a Woj bomb was dropped in the city of Chicago And Adrian Wojnarowski had this to say There is growing possibility that Chicago Bulls guard Lonzo Ball Will need a third surgical procedure on his left knee That likely will require another six months of recovery and rehabilitation Sources told ESPN on Thursday Ball, who hasn't appeared in the NBA game since January 14, 2022, has been ruled out for the 2022-2023 season and has undergone two surgeries on that troublesome knee in the past 14 months. The belief is that a third surgery is likely necessary to give the former number two overall draft pick his best opportunity to play again, sources said. The Bulls and Bulls representatives with Clutch Sports are working together and consulting with specialists before a final decision on surgery is made, sources said. But procedure sometime this month would further delay the possibility of Ball ramping up for return next Season And you guys can check out that entire article over at ESPN.com. Adrian Wojnarowski making the big news dump, the big news, breaking news of Lonzo Ball needing another surgical procedure on that knee, the third one. And what went from just discomfort, from a normal procedure, from all the different talking points to this moment now, Marver, where, you know, a, a kid who tries hard, who plays the game the right way, who has a lot of intangibles and abilities that anybody would want on their roster, and it just looks like another derailment is going to stifle the career of Lonzo Ball. What did you What did you think when you heard this Wolge Mom. Uh, this, this borders on medical malpractice as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, normally you fix it the first time, don't you? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I need, I'm not a doctor, but it, I, I've never heard of it. You know, you need to go in there three times to correct a single problem. So I'm puzzled about the whole thing. But we got Beverly. He was, he, he's, he was, he's, <laughs> he's taking balls plays kind of. So, uh, and now they they just it's just sad. They're not going to even make the the expanded playoffs. It looks like, but the ball situation is is I, I don't understand it. Do you? I mean, it, it baffles me why we need need a third surgery. It's it's one of the most complex things, and honestly, there's so many levels to look at this, right? Marvel's like obviously we feel bad for the individual themselves because there's a chance that his career could really be in a could be done, could be derailed. This could be a Brandon Roy situation. This is something that it could be affecting the nerves. And the best case scenario is that they're doing the surgery not to explore, right, but to fix that they finally found the problem to his discomfort. And I don't know if they're gonna get there. And I really want to uh, before we continue on this conversation because I know there's conversation of when we talk about sports and we talk about these moments and we we have to keep in mind the humans behind it but there's also the business and I know some people are wondering about buyouts and what you do with contracts and whatnot and this comes from Bobby Marks over on Twitter there is no benefit now for Chicago to petition the league with regards to a possible Lonzo Ball career ending injury one the Bulls are still responsible for 40 plus million of salary owed and two despite his salary move from the cap, Chicago would still be up against the cap space this offseason. So there really is no benefit for the Bulls to go and try to get rid of this contract. There is no benefit when it comes to the optics of not trying to help out Lonzo during this time. And this goes back to 
kind of the curse that a lot of Bulls fans go back to of the point guard from Jay Williams to Derrick Rose and to now Lonzo Ball. Marver, there is no way. I don't think Lonzo plays next season at the very least. So there's no way the Bulls can go into this offseason with any plans of him being the starting point guard. But if you're up against the cap, what can they do? Free agent. But if they if they get rid of some money, <laughs> that's that's the solution. It would appear to me. But uh, uh, it's you know it's a situation that uh, is baffling. As I continue to say, but uh, they need. I don't even need. I don't care if it's a point guard or any kind of guard. Somebody that can shoot three pointers. Yes. <laughs> so so that that's that's what I'd like to see. So. Uh, uh, I don't, and look, you know, if somebody people leave, which is possible, then they'd have more cap space. And I would, I, I don't think that. You think all the big three is going to still be there next year? I don't. So I don't think so. Space. No, there. I, I mean, right. And you bring up the big three and the cap space. I just don't know what the value of these guys are. Like, look, at we've seen Zach be that dude. But you need to build yeah. around Zach, and DeMar isn't I like DeMar. Everybody who doesn't like DeMar, right? But he obviously yeah. doesn't fit that type of style. And the team just sits around and watches DeMar do DeMar things. And while that may work for, for certain levels of, of a team, that doesn't work for a team that's middling right now. And I yeah. think you bring up a great point of free agency. My question to you is, if the what were they doing then? If if it's all about the big three and putting yourself in position, why is Vooch still on this team? How did Zach get this max contract? You weren't able to find a contender to take Demar. Like I I don't understand what AK and Eversley were thinking this trade deadline. Yeah, uh, we we expected somebody some move to be made, but uh, that was not the case. I mean, for all we know, he tried and it wasn't a, a suitable mm. match. And uh, you know you don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but uh, they stick. They stuck with what they got, and they've gotten worse. <laughs> Actual point of fact. You bring up the three-point shooting. That's Lonzo was a, a big part of that, and how when he played, they had a better three-point percentage as a team and as he had as an individual player. They don't have that right now. They don't shoot enough threes, and I like when when Kobe decides to just go go crazy and just shoot from anywhere because the team needs that. And this, this is an opportunity for Io, for Kobe. One of these guys isn't going to be on the squad next year, so this is a chance for one of them to put themselves in a position of being a starting point guard, but I think we've seen this, right? Like, what a Devin Booker or a Chris Paul, a Steph Curry, a John Moran. Just go down the list. A Donovan Mitchell, like the one-two, the point guard, shooting guard mix, and somebody who is able to set up the offense but also be a threat. If you can't find the unicorn of a Giannis or a Joker or Embiid, that's what you need to find. And I don't think the Bulls have any of that. And I think that's what is going to worry a lot of Bulls fans heading into this offseason. But – you know, the Bulls are still in on the outside looking in in the play-in. They're game back. They don't have the tiebreaker anymore. Six As of this recording, six games below 500. Marvelous, this news comes out about Lonzo, and they don't have a protected draft pick unless it's a top four. So I guess my thinking of all this, what would you do? Do you just play ball and try to make the play-in, make a run, whatever you can? Do you tank and hope for 9%? That a lottery that a, a, a lottery ball falls your way, or I mean, what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it seems to me in college, the Sumo did shoot, shoot three pointers, and Caruso mm-hmm. and a three point shooter too. So I don't know what the deal is. And Kobe White, I mean, uh, Devontae Green, I mean, some of these guys have a history of three pointers, even 
Dalen Terry, for that matter. So it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Dalen Terry is an advertiser shooting guard, and so is Javante with Green. So uh, those are the guys that are supposed to be, um, you know, making the the, uh, the outside shots. So uh, it's it's baffling. But right now, um, I, you know, what was the formula when they did well at the beginning of last year? I mean, it basically, there isn't much difference in the team. Was, was Maybe Ball was there. Was he there at the beginning of last year? Did that make the big difference? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the, the, the question is, how, you know, they beat a Denver team, which isn't a bad team, and they and they need to just do better than 500 ball the rest of the year, and they can get a spot in a, in a possible one-and-done situation, <laughs> which, which is sad, but uh, that's, that's the best you can hope for right now, I think. I think Chicago sports fans, when it comes to draft lotteries, when it comes to opportunity, we we used up our good fortune. We used up our lucky token with the Bears getting the number one pick. I don't think the Bulls are in any position. It just doesn't work that way to get the number one pick, to get to win the sweepstakes for Victor Wembanyama. And, you know, there's a lot of good college players, and we're going to see a few of them throughout March Madness, but... They put themselves in a bad position with bad trades and with tampering. And now they're in a position where I think you can only play ball and let the the chips fall where they may. Maybe you're the 10th seed. Maybe you end up in the lottery and you don't get a top four. Maybe you do. But you don't get to choose anymore. You don't get to choose your destiny. All you got to do, all you can do is play ball. And we've seen enough, I think, of this team to know that. At the very least, at the very best, they're a 500 team. At the very worst, this is who they are. And I think that's a bummer. But, Marvelous, any final thoughts yeah. on this day and when it comes to kind of the basketball news you've heard? Even Jim Beheim is retired and March yeah. Madness is around the corner. I mean, you, what, are your, what are your final thoughts on, on a day of basketball? Well, you know, March, March uh, I, my whirlwind tour of all the different games that I go to, a lot of them in college and high school. But in the pro scene, I mean, right now the Bulls are a game ahead of the Pacers, even for 11. And like th- and three games ahead of the the Magic, who's in thirteenth. So I mean, <laughs> we're looking up. I mean, you got to pass either the Wizards or the Raptors, and let any these other teams I just mentioned pass them. Uh, the Hawks are number eight, and they're thirty three and thirty three, and the Bulls are six under five. You know, so it, it's it, it's an uphill battle. And you know, if they get in that that play, and then then if you're in the bottom spot, you only get one chance. You have to win two games to get them. <laughs> It's number eight if you're if you're you know the bottom spot number eleven because ten would play eleven and then the winner of that plays a loser of eight nine to get so to get, so that's just crazy but we'll we'll see what happens I mean it's um, they they have the potential to actually get that get into the playoffs because they're not really out of it at this point they're a game behind the Wizards so. Um, I, I'm just hoping for the best. I think that they they might sneak in there yet. I'm just an optimist. <laughs> I mean, I would so much rather watch playoff basketball than them give up a not top four draft pick. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. Either way, I just think the unfortunate yeah. thing is right. They didn't get. They don't get to choose which direction they go in. No, I mean they're not going to fall behind the Hornets or the Pistons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's for sure. I mean, so they're not going to get you know, a top pick and even. You look at the, the Rockets at 15 wins and the Spurs at 16. So those are the two bottom feeders on the other side. So those are your bottom four <laughs> right now, without question. So uh, I, I like to look up. I like to be an optimist. You know, the, <laughs> the, glasses, the glasses half fall. <laughs> the forever optimist that is the marvelous one, yeah. Dan Marver. Yeah. But we want to know your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCubicle TV. Lonzo Ball. 
has been diagnosed with some more bad news, and it looks like he will be having a third surgical procedure, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Does he play another game as a Chicago Bull? What does this mean for the future of the Bulls at that point guard position? We want to know your thoughts. We're on Twitter at SportsCubicle TV. For the marvelous one, Dan Marver. For Devin Tingle. For Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. And that will do it for this week's edition of the Sports Cubicle. For Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado, Dan Marver, I'm Paul Shavari. Thank you for listening to WCPT 820, where facts matter. Santita starts your week tomorrow, 6 a.m.